Good morning, Restoration. I hope you're doing well today. Uh, so I realize this might be a little strange to now be uh, watching the sermon online when last week we had an amazing outdoor worship service at the uh, at Lake Nokomis in the picnic area there. Uh, it was so good. For the first time, we were able to gather again since March, since March, March 8th, and my soul was so hungry to be present with you and to be able to, to come together around the table again for the first time since March 8th. Like, what a blessing, right? Like, what a sign of hope that the Lord is still continuing to move in our midst as a congregation, that he's still continuing to build us up, uh, and what a sign of hope for the, the things to come in our congregation. And I realize there's a lot of you who, who just wish that you could have been there with us, and it's, it is a sorrow that not all of us were able to join together um, in, in our completeness. Um, but we did carry you in our hearts, and we, we were thinking about you, we were praying for you in the prayers of the people, and, and holding you in our hearts as we were coming to the table together. And we continue to yearn for the day in which all of us will be reunited again um, for that. Uh, so the top question that we've been getting asked is, when will we do this again? And uh, some people have very um, kindly but clearly told us that, that they're um, a little upset that we're not able to meet again so quickly. And, and I Totally. I'm right there with you. Like, I wish we could be gathering again weekly right now. Um, but what we're doing is we're gathering feedback and the gathering team and the staff are, are looking at ways that we can um, make sure that we're, we're having a, a service that is authentic to who we are and in accordance with the guidelines that have been placed upon us. Um, so the next time that we're going to gather is going to be August 8th, that second weekend in August. Uh, and then uh, from that point on, we're hoping to gather together uh, on the second and fourth Sundays of the month uh, until weather tells us that we can't do it anymore. So please pray that winter staves off for a very long time. So uh, let's pray and then we'll dive into our message today. Lord Jesus Christ, uh, thank you so much for last week. Uh, and Lord, we thank you for every week. Uh, your mercies are new every morning. So Lord, as we open up your scriptures today, again, may you just pour your mercies out upon us. We love you, Lord, and it's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week I preached from Acts chapter 2, uh, starting at verse uh, 42 to 47. And this is a passage that is just so dear to all of us in the Diocese of the Upper Midwest. Uh, you'll hear this passage discussed a lot at a lot of our churches. In fact, I've preached on this numerous times in the past uh, because it is something that is just so dear and precious to us. And I didn't say this last week, but we are actually kicking off a, a six-week series based off of this passage. So Acts chapter 2 is a snapshot of the early church. This is a moment when the early church, the followers of Jesus, are coming together, and they're trying to make sense of what it is that just happened. The fact that their, their beloved rabbi had just been killed, but then rose from the dead, and then ascended into heaven. And so in this passage, we see the early church coming together, and we see their values being expressed in this passage. We see them forming habits of worship and, and prayer and, and liturgy and life together. And for those of us who consider ourselves liturgical, sacramental, Bible-believing, gospel-driven Christians, this passage is incredibly um, just significant. Uh, it, it just has so much meaning and value and, and just beauty that is tucked away in this passage. So our bishop, he likes to, to um, refer to this passage as, um, as, as giving us uh, Christians the architecture for the church. Here in this passage, in Acts chapter 2, we see the architecture of the church. 
And there's five characteristics that come from this. Uh, and each of these characteristics starts with an S. Uh, you may have heard us talking about the five S's before, but we believe that these are ways in which we understand who we are, who God is calling us to be as the body of Christ. So uh, in this passage, we see that the early church was full of the scriptures. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the prayers. That's, that's the scriptures. But also, they're full of the sacrament. They were breaking bread with one another. They were growing as a movement, which no doubt would have included baptism. So this was a sacramental movement. Uh, also, this is a movement, this is a, a gathering that is full of the Spirit. Here we see that there are gifts of healing and power being lavished upon the people. They were free to sacrifice. They were giving uh, joyfully and generously to the community, both themselves and those outside of their community. But also they were focused on the salvation of others. Day by day, they were growing their numbers. They weren't focused just purely on themselves, but rather they were reaching out and loving others well. So scripture, sacrament, spirit, sacrifice, and salvation. Here we see the architecture of the church here in this passage. So like I said, over the next five weeks, we're going to be preaching through each one of those five S's. Or each one of the S's is going to get a, a different... You, you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, so our children's ministry, uh, they've actually released a, a packet, this amazing devotional based on these things. It's, it's a weekly devotional for families. Uh, and we're, uh, this was created in conjunction with the other Anglican churches here in Minnesota, uh, Redeemer and Cross. And so uh, if you have not gotten one of those packets for your family, uh, please reach out to my wife, Molly, our, our children's director, and she will uh, send that to you either digitally or in the mail. Um, but we want to make sure that that you guys um, get that. So anyway, these five S's, the reason why I want to bring this up again, uh, the reason now is, is because we as a community, now more than ever, need to know who we are as the church. Because friends, we are in a season of dispersion. In fact, right when all of this stuff happened, we preached on that. We preached from 1 Peter, uh, just his words there to the dispersion. And we need to be reminded in this season now about the unique treasures that we have in the church, the inheritance that we've received. We need to be reminded that, that the church is a radiant and beloved bride of Christ, that she is the household of God into which all of us have been baptized. And she is that strong ark in which no flood can sink her. Friend, today uh, we're going to be turning our attention to this first S, that also the church is a place that is filled with God's breath that she is full of the Holy Scriptures, that first S. And so what we're going to be looking at today uh, is our other New Testament reading that we had from um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, looking at verses 10 through 17. So please turn to that now if you haven't yet. So this is a, a beautiful letter uh, that we have in the New Testament. This is a moment in which the Apostle Paul, he's, he's writing to one of his apprentices, Timothy, and he's giving him instructions and he's encouraging him. He's building him up um, because uh, some tough things have been happening. A suffering has been happening for Timothy, and he's in need of some encouragement from his elder. And Paul, what Paul reminds him too is that he has also been going through a lot of sufferings himself. He's experienced beatings and persecution. And what Paul says very clearly is that the kind of suffering that he has experienced, this is to be expected. We as Christians undergo suffering and persecution. It's the way of the cross. Our Lord Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. So why should we think that, that we are um, devoid of, of any bit of suffering in our, our own lives? And Paul even brings the, home, or brings the point home 
when he says things in our lives will go from bad to worst, <laughs> from bad to worse. So Paul isn't one of those live your best life now kind of preachers, is he? No, he's telling us the, the reality of the situation with the Christian is that the Christian life is filled with hard times. So then, friends, what is the answer to this? Well, Paul tells Timothy to continue in what, in what you have learned. That is, continue in immersing yourself in the sacred writings that you have been learning about ever since you were a child. And some of you are a lot like Timothy. Some of you have been acquainted since childhood with the scriptures. Uh, but maybe you're being tempted to think that the Bible is somehow out of fashion, or, or maybe it's irrelevant, or maybe it's, it's boring. And so Paul's word here to, to you and to all of us is to stay with it, to keep yourselves rooted in scriptures. Because the answer to trouble, the answer to being dispersed, the answer to suffering is the word of God. Because scriptures, it, uh, scriptures are God's word breathed out to us. So there's three things that I want to pull out from here. Three values of scripture, three things that it does for us uh, that Paul is even telling us here. So first, Paul is telling us that the scriptures teach us. Well, what exactly is it that they teach us? What is this? Well, the scriptures teach us what the true story is. You know, from the opening pages of Genesis to the final words of Revelation, the Bible tells us the, the true story of God. That is that we have a holy and gracious Father. And in his infinite love, he made us for himself. But when we had sinned against him, rebelling against his rule, instead what we did is we subjected ourselves to evil and death. But God, in his abundant mercy, sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. And he dwelt among us. He walked among us. He atoned for our sin upon the cross. And by his glorious resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan underneath his feet. This is the story of scripture. This is the story that is told over and over and over again throughout its pages. It's a story of pain. It's a story of death and sorrow. But more than that, this is a story of victory, a story of restoration, a story of hope. Uh, one, of, one of you at our church, a, a dear member of our church who's been there since nearly the beginning, um, had a, just a really sweet conversation with my wife. Uh, this, this may have been, gosh, maybe even over a year ago at this point, but the, the words from this conversation, as Molly relayed it to me, is just stuck with my mind. Um, but this dear friend, uh, many of you know who this is, um, I'm going to protect her privacy here, but she was just sharing some of her, her doubts and struggles um, just with, with the faith in general, and she talked about why she still comes to church, and the phrase that she said is, I just need to be reminded of the story. I need to be reminded of the story, and how beautiful that is, right? Because we as the church, we are the ones who are the stewards, the church is the stewards of the story. Friends, when you are struggling with doubt, when you're feeling like the, the waves of this world are tossing you to and fro, come into the ark of the church so that you can be reminded of the true story and hear the love of God just being proclaimed over you as we immerse ourselves through the, in the Holy Scriptures every single week. So the first thing is that we are reminded of the true story. So the second thing that the, script, that the scriptures does for us, and, and Paul is quite clear with us, is he says that the scriptures exist to reprove, and, uh, to reprove us and to provide correction for us. Now, that might be kind of a, a weird sort of thing to say, like how does a, a book uh, correct us, right? 
Um, you know, like when I read Lord of the Rings and I, and I read of Gollum and just how, how selfish and, and greedy and awful he is, you know, even though I might identify with some of those characteristics, in fact, um, uh, newsflash, I do, uh, but even though that's the case, like, I don't necessarily feel like Tolkien through the writings of, of the Lord of the Rings is somehow like correcting me. So why is it that, that Paul says this of the scriptures? Well, he's not saying that the scriptures correct us simply because we, we empathize with the characters of the story. No, Paul is saying something much more profound and mysterious here. You see, he's saying that the, the same spirit that guided these writings is that same spirit that lives within us. And so we get to hear this, the voice of the spirit. We feel the breath of God coming up through those pages and just blowing over us as we immerse ourselves in the scriptures um, anytime that we pick it up. Because the Bible corrects us in that, in that gentle yet firm breath, in that firm voice of God. So what's, what is the charge to us now? Well, friends, it's, the charge to us is to have ears to hear. The charge to us is to expect it. Expect God to speak to us and correct us through the Holy Scriptures. Because for those who have ears to hear, he will. God will do this. And I'm not saying every single time you're going to have this lightning bolt moment or whatever, this light bolt moment, I should say. Maybe a light or lightning bolt, I don't know. But that's not going to happen every single time. But sometimes it will. Sometimes you're going to open up the Scriptures you're going to read a story and you're going to hear God say to you, this passage is for you today. You are Zacchaeus. You are that small man who has robbed from his own brethren, who, is, who has stored up riches for himself. And now it's time for you to give back what is not yours. You see, the word of God can speak to us in very clear and profound and powerful ways. Not to shame you. Not to, not to make you um, feel um, belittled and to break you apart. No, but to draw you closer to God. Because what the scriptures does is it reminds us that we are in need of God. When we veer off the path, the scriptures bring us back and set us on the path closer into the embrace of our Father in heaven. So that's the second thing that the scriptures do. The third thing is that they train us in righteousness. That's what Paul says. It trains us in righteousness. Now, that's, that's kind of a weird phrase, or uh, um, that's not really the kind of language that we use these days. So maybe another way to think of it is it, it makes us wise. Scripture teaches us how to act as the redeemed people of God. If it's true that we've been baptized into the household of God, then we take on that family name upon ourselves, right? And we act like Christ, our older brother. We begin to act like him. We are made righteous as we immerse ourselves in the scriptures. N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, the Bible helps us to think in new patterns, to see things the way that we hadn't seen them before, to understand ourselves and to understand other people around the world in better and more profound sort of ways. And we see this uh, all throughout the scriptures, right? Where the wisdom of God, the righteousness of God just leaps up and just woos us and wants to shape us more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. You know, just open up the book of Proverbs and just start reading through some of the passages in there. Or Jesus' parables where the wisdom is jumping out at us. Or those poetic confrontations of the Old Testament prophets who are constantly showing us what true righteousness uh, looks like. As we read the scriptures, one learns how to think with the mind of Christ. We are made more like him. 
And friends, we need this now more than ever, right? We live in a day and age of, of slogan slinging, of, of anti-Christian ideologies that are floating all over the place, that are being exposited all over. And so we, as members of the household of God, we need to be diligent in, in rooting ourselves in the scripture first. Obviously, yes, it's good to, to listen to other leaders and movements and read other books, but we need to be people of the Bible first. We need to be diligent in, in formulating our, our thinking according to the living word of God. So friends, we need to be people who are full of the scriptures. This is a place that teaches us the true stories of God, that corrects us when we're off the path, and trains us to become more like Jesus Christ. So in closing, I, I have a question for you, and is what's your Bible plan? What's your Bible plan? What's your plan to immerse yourselves in the scriptures, to become more familiar with it? And I know some of you might be like, oh my goodness, this is another sermon of another preacher who's telling me to read the Bible more. Yes, that is what this is. I'm telling you to get yourselves in the scriptures, immerse yourselves in the scriptures. So what's your plan? What's your plan for you personally, but also what's the plan for you and your household? Uh, how can you be reading and discussing the Bible with your families or your friend groups or your life groups or others who you bump shoulders with? What is your plan? You know, for, some, or for us as, as Anglicans, we're, we're super fortunate because we can receive the heritage of our Book of Common Prayer. And if you go to the back of it, there's something called the Daily Office. And this gives, tells you, or gives you four passages or four chapters of the Bible to read every single day. It'll take you through most of the Old Testament once a year and the New Testament. It'll take you through most of that twice a year. And so you could just commit yourself to that. Uh, and like, how amazing would that be, right? Also, our children's ministry, I told you earlier that they have a, this devotional that they've built, uh, designed in conjunction with the other churches. Uh, grab one of those because that's going to be taking you through uh, three passages, three times a week that you can be um, doing with your family. It's like, what an awesome plan, right? Or some of you might be wanting a more like a slow or sort of contemplative plan or something like that. Um, and yeah, maybe you'd want to just like read one psalm a day or something like that. Um, again, going back to the Book of Common Prayer, we do also have a 30-day reading plan of the psalms and also a 60-day. So what a, a wonderful resource that you could take advantage of there. So if you don't have a plan, make one. And if you do have a plan, if you are one of those Christians who, who immerses yourself in, in the scriptures every single day, keep it up. Keep doing it. I would say now more than ever, this is so important for us as a body, as, as, um, as a local congregation, to be immersing yourselves in the scriptures. If Paul needs to remind his apprentice, Timothy, to stick with it, then how much more so do we need to be reminded of this too, right? It's because, friends, we are the church, and we need to be staying on the path, growing more in likeness to, our, uh, to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So God has given us his very breath. We are full of the scriptures. It teaches us, it corrects us, and it forms us more into the likeness of his son. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray all of these things. Uh, amen.